Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now, from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. All right, welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Who do we have today, Travis? Today we have Eric Barber, Director of Van Operations. Eric, how you doing? Hey guys, how are you? Good. Good. So, what brings you to Marshfield? Just up here working with everybody, networking, seeing what we need to do, you know, help the business. Right on. So you are the Director of the Van Division, correct? That's correct, yes. What exactly is a director of the van division for people who don't know? What 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 is your role here at Rail? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, so right now I, I do lead the fleet manager group uh, for van operations, which we have fleet managers in and business advisors for the owner operators in, here in Marshfield. We also have them in Gary, Indiana. That's basically where I'm based out of. I live in Illinois, but my home base is the Gary Terminal. Uh, we have fleet managers in the Atlanta terminal. Go down to uh, Conley quite often, uh, once about every six weeks or so. Uh, we have drivers based out of uh, Grand Prairie, so we go down there a couple times a year. And then uh, I, I just I just basically support the team. You know, uh, the drivers, the fleet managers, they're our frontline people. They're they're the ones getting it done every day, and I just support them with whatever they need, uh, and really try to help them over obstacles and you know whatever it may be you know Uh, and there are a lot of obstacles in trucking of course you know getting drivers home on time that's that's a big deal to 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 me and to us as a team is is we really want to take care of our driving teammates they they're the ones away from home every day they're the ones out there in the traffic uh, getting it done being safe and we have so many drivers that do such a great job uh, I wish I could tell each one of them personally thank you every day. It's hard, you know, because right now in the van division we have about 800 full-time equivalent drivers, um, and that's a lot, and a lot of them just do such a great job and get it done uh, every day. And then, you know, uh, working with customer service a lot and seeing what, what routes we have, what customers we're taking on, uh, where we need drivers, you know, Every week, I work with recruiting and customer service to, to update our, our fleets of what our needs are, whether it's regional fleets or national fleet or the home daily fleets, wherever that's at. We're always looking for opportunities to add you know home daily drivers. And I really like promoting current over-the-road drivers to home daily positions instead of hiring from the outside if, if we've got a current driver that's over the road that wants to be home daily, I would prefer to give that position to them. You know, they have been with the company, they've been over the road, they've earned that position, and if they live in the right area, I just assume give it to them then hire somebody from the outside for that to be home daily. You know, a lot of those are coveted positions that some people really want. Some people don't. I get it. You know, some people want to be out 30 days at a time, and I respect I was, that a lot, too. I was one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but 
uh, a lot of folks, you know, they, you know, if they're raising families and have obligations, they like being home daily, just that more of a set schedule. So we really look to, to fill those positions with current drivers we have and add positions, you know, when we can and when it makes sense and when we get to freight. Uh, so we really look at those home daily positions as coveted positions. So you're looking at adding drivers. Are we replacing drivers that we're losing, or are we expanding the fleet? Or, or It depends. Wisconsin's been a good area, especially that eastern side, and the southeastern side has been a really good location uh, for freight, so we're able to add drivers. Um, but mostly we just replace. Um, we, we haven't really added many just because of freight. Actually, the, the, the number of drivers we actually have has been reduced just a little bit. Um, but you know, you gotta, you gotta keep your driver base to go after new customers. So, you know, I hear a lot, you know, why do we still hire drivers when freight is less? And it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, which comes first, you know, do you get the freight first? Do you get the drivers first? Do you get the drivers first? Do you get the freight first? You need both, you know, it's hard to go after freight if you don't have the drivers. It's hard to get drivers if you don't have the freight. So we really try to keep that mix um, balanced. You know, do we have the right amount of freight with the right amount of drivers? And I know some, some folks will say, why do we still hire drivers when we don't have as much freight? But then we can't go after new freight if we don't have the drivers for the freight. So uh, I, I get it, uh, but it's a, it's a fine balance. It always is, you know. Sure. It always is. It's, trucking is so cyclical that, you know, for two years, we had more freight than we knew what to do with, and now we're in a in a solid year, maybe 14 months now of a little bit of decline in freight. So it's it's still hasn't picked up. You know, we're still holding kind of par over the last six months or so. It's just it's just hanging right where it's at. You know, we'll see an uptick for a week or two, and then a downtick for a week or two. So. And, you know, the economy's not helping. You know, everything costs so much more, and people just aren't buying as much stuff right now. And if people aren't buying stuff, we're not hauling. There's nothing to haul, you know. So a lot less stuff needs to be hauled. So People still need stuff, though. So, I mean. Yeah, people still. I mean, you, we're still hauling the paper. You know, we're still hauling the, the necessity stuff. But the auto workers strike. So when they're strike and their plants go down, the truck drivers that haul parts for those are now not hauling those parts. So now they're out in the market trying to pick up freight that we haul because there's not enough freight for them right now. Um, so there's other factors that go into not being as much freight, you know. Um, now, my wife, she keeps Amazon in business, so you'd think there's some <laughs> business out there. It seems like every day I go home, I got a package on the front porch. So my wife hasn't figured out there's not a recession yet, but um, but it is. People just aren't buying as much stuff right now, you know, and, and inventories have gotten back right, so I think that's going to help us. You know, the first, the end of last year, the warehouses were just exploding with stuff, and then people stopped buying as much stuff, you know, the end of last year and then going into this year, and then we stopped hauling as much stuff because inventories were so high but now i think inventories have gotten righted again so i think that's in our favor um they're talking new legislation for intermodal train like adding new 
laws or whatever for them, so intermodal rates may go up. That would may also help truckload carriers if train rates go up. Push it our way? Yeah, that might push some freight our way, so that would be nice. Um, not as many of the uh, smaller carriers are, they're still in the business. You know, a lot of small carriers, one truck, two truck, three trucks, five trucks, ten trucks, got into trucking during COVID because rates were so high and there was such abundance of freight. In the spot market. Yeah, and a lot of that capacity is still hanging around. And I would have thought some of that capacity would have left the market more than it has, but they're still hanging around. But if you think about it, if if they've got loans and high truck payments and stuff, the bank doesn't want that, that truck back. So they're going to just tell them to keep hauling freight and pay us what you can, you know, because what's a bank going to do with a truck? And the spot market took a dive. Oh, the spot the spot market is still low. It's still really low. Um, just just to interject here a little bit, what is the spot market? Well, uh, customers were put out there on the market as just load boards. That so customers, the broker boards that yeah, the guys would see in a truck stop. So not, yeah. not strong relationships between the shipper and the it's not cust- it's not like you know we have customer freight like if, if if we have a customer we have a contract with them we haul their freight and even some of them put loads on the load boards and people will just snatch it up and take it when it's at a ridiculously low rate it's it's so low you would lose money hauling that freight but people do it people are doing it and we're, we're we're doing it some too. We're operating more in the contract. We have relationships yes, with customers. We we really try to stay away from broker freight. Right now, we're having to do some broker freight, but that, that's one of our metrics that we try to reduce every week, is to get away from the broker freight because one, the rates are really low. Two, there's a lot of detention on broker freight, and it's just because it's not our customer and we deal with them on a daily basis. They don't they don't really care to get back to us or pay the detentions or pay layover pay or whatever. So it's really good to just stay away from broker freight and haul all customer freight. Now for two years, yeah, contract stuff. For two years, we didn't haul a broker load. That's awesome. Yeah. We, I don't think we, in van, we didn't touch a broker load for probably two years. Well, you know, there's got to be like some respect for trucking in general that people got to have to, I know there's like, they got to, you know, make their money and ship their goods and, you know, do it as cheap as possible. But I mean, it's kind of almost destructive to the industry to do this. It is. I I really wish that, that people wouldn't accept loads at such a low rate, but we do some, and that's what drives it down even further because, well, if they hauled it for a dollar a mile, well, they hauled it for 90 cents a mile, you know? Crazy. And and sometimes they do, you know? Um, and I expect we will, too, if, it, if, if, if we've got a driver sitting in a certain location and we just can't find a load, we'll have to broker something to get them out of that area just to get them somewhere where we do have contract rate. You know, better than going with nothing, right? Better than going with nothing, and, and we don't want our driver sitting. I mean, they're out there to make money, right? You know, that's the last thing we want is a driver sitting. And the value of our money doesn't, I mean, it just keeps kind of dropping too. So yeah. if stuff, if that's happening and we're getting less for loads, that's just not well, good. Well, you bring up another good point there is 
think about it. All of our costs are going up still. Like all of our costs, tires, uh, parts for the trucks, all of our all of our drop yard leases are going up. You know, we have a lot of drop yards. Their leases are going up. Um, so all of our costs are going up, but our rates are going the opposite direction. They're not following our our costs. So at some point, it's going to come back, and we're going to have to recoup our costs somewhere. Everything's going up, Everything. and, and what people rates. are willing to pay is going down. Right. And we talk to customers, you know. We, I think I'm in the wrong business. I'm going to go back to working on trucks. Sorry, man, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 tough. It's it's tough out there right now. Uh, so all the costs are going up, but the rates are not. Um, and what the heck do we do? We got to ride it out for right now. We we've got to. We've got to really watch our costs right now, you know. MPG. Well, MPG is a big one because while while we do get fuel surcharge, you know, we can we get that from the customer. What, what we don't get is so if fuel goes, if it's a dollar a gallon, and you idle for ten hours, it costs us about ten bucks to idle that truck. When it's four bucks a gallon, it costs us forty dollars to idle that truck for ten hours. So idling is just a waste, right? We want everybody to be comfortable for sure. Uh, but any extra idle when you're not in the truck, the truck should be turned off because that's just calls going out the window. Don't get me wrong. I drove years ago, and I wanted to be comfortable too. Um, I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable when they're sleeping or relaxing. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're not in the truck, it should just be turned off. Yeah, uh, so fuel is always a, a huge cost. You know, that's it's either fuel or, or payroll, you know, they, they sometimes swap back and forth, which is our biggest cost, but fuel is our biggest cost and we can control some of that. Tolls are a big cost, you know, driving out a route, anytime you go out a route. So stay on route. Stay on route and don't take tolls unless it's on your route. And, and overweight citations, like Indiana, 10,000. That's been something going on for a little while $10,000 if you get an overweight citation in Indiana. Sometimes we can get a lawyer and fight it and reduce it, but sometimes we can't. I mean, we, we shouldn't be overweight. You know, do a good pre-trip, make sure all the lights work, tires are inflated, and make sure everything looks good. And, and if there's not a scale at the customer, you find the nearest one, right? Talk to fleet management, figure yeah. it out. Yeah. It's a whole lot cheaper to fix things at the terminal before you get going Yeah. than it is to do it out on the road, so that pre-trip is very important. Or at a customer. And we have a great maintenance staff too to fix stuff. I, I would, I would, support. I would put our maintenance staff against anybody as far as our downtime. Our downtime is excellent. We had Chris on too. Yeah. You yeah. go back podcast say, episodes and Chris said we measure it in hours where other companies measure it in days. Yeah, yeah, we're we're on it. Very good with that. The only thing that holds us up now sometimes is parts. Either you can't get them. That's out of our control. It is. It's 100% out of our, out of our control. You know, we, we try to keep parts uh, the best we can. But, you know, you you think the part problem is gone, and then all of a sudden there's no windshields in Gary because we can't get windshields. Well, I know uh, Chris, so. remember he said they get creative. They yeah. Oh, to. yeah. They'll find it, and they'll get it there yeah. where it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. They're very creative.
creative and very hardworking. They're excellent. And that's why it's good, too, to, to, to let, let your fleet managers know if you're coming to a shop and you need maintenance to let them know to put a maintenance request in. Because then the, the more a heads up we know and we can put the maintenance request in, the shop can then say, okay, we need to get this part. And then we're not ordering it after they've been there and checked into the shop and then figure out they need a part. Let them know ahead of time. Be proactive. And then they can already start looking to see, okay, we might need whatever part, and then they can go ahead and order it for that driver. So when that driver shows up to get their maintenance done or whatever work they need done, the part's there. Right. You know, it's already been ordered and it's there. But when you just show up, we might not have the part. You might end up in the back of a line. And especially if you're in Gary, you might sit there a little while waiting because, you know, maintenance can get backed up. And they have a pretty sophisticated uh, system to schedule, you know. So some some things take longer, and some loads have a higher priority. You know, some, some loads have critical on-time appointments that need to be met, so they might get put to the front of a line so we can make sure we meet that appointment. Then if somebody's on an open window or they're taking a 34 reset or something, they might get pushed back some so we can get that. So it's nice... To, to know when a driver needs something done as quick as possible so they can get them on the schedule and get things scheduled. You know. So it's important for them drivers, the drivers out there, to know what's going on with their equipment mm-hmm. and make it known as soon as they know. Yeah, tell their fleet manager to put a maintenance request in right away and then, you know, get them routed to a shop, yeah. you know, get a load route them, routing them to a shop. How else can we save money? We talked about MPG. We talked about... Uh, the idling. We talked about tolls, avoiding tolls, staying on route. I mean, if yeah. you got to do a toll, you got to do a toll. But you don't go off route, do all these tolls, yeah. waste. Yeah. Uh, maintenance. Uh, what else? Pre-trips. Uh, so think about delivering on time. So delivering on time, a lot of customers are really pushing for on-time service. I mean, they are wearing us out for on-time service now. You know, back during COVID, they didn't care when it got delivered. As long as we picked it up and delivered it, they didn't care when it got there. Now they are beating us up hard for on-time service. So if you're late for a delivery, you may get pushed out for an hour. You may get pushed out for 24 hours. Now here's, I'm going to throw this in there. At rail, if the weather's bad, if a driver doesn't feel comfortable driving, doesn't feel safe driving, we're good. We're backing them. That's a, we're park. that's a whole different story. Now talk about how that goes into the whole on-time yeah. scenario. So, so... And we're coming into winter, you know, especially up here in cold country, Wisconsin. Uh, if, if, a, if, a, if a driver calls in for whatever reason and says, hey, weather's bad, uh, really high winds, I'm tired, I'm going to shut down and safely park. No whatever question. it is that no could cause something to be disastrous, like whatever. There's no question to ask. We're gonna, that driver's going to shut down. And then we will come up with plan B to get that load delivered, which could be calling the customer and saying, hey, our driver had to shut down. It's too unsafe to drive. We'll let you know when we can deliver the load. We're not going to force a driver to drive unsafe for any reason. Any reason. We, we, just, we just don't do that. We're not going to do it. But we are going to require them to let us know. 
Yeah. So we can talk oh, yeah. to the customer because it is important to be on time. Yeah. And at least we can get ahead of that and talk with the customer, let them know what's going on. Yeah. If, if, if you've got to shut down, all we ask is let your fleet manager know. And then the fleet manager will let the CSR know. The CSR will contact the customer and say, here's our new ETA. Or as soon as it's safe to drive again, I'll get you an ETA of when the driver can be there. And because we're competing with so many other trucking companies, especially with that spot market area, you know, coming and creeping in, uh, it's really important that we're on time. So they got to be really smart about how they use that. Well, so customers would rather their freight be late than not get there at all. And a lot of a lot of people, a lot of drivers that push it through those bad conditions, that load's not going to get there at all because something bad's going to happen. We'll be in a ditch somewhere. That's right. They'll be in a ditch, upside down, something. And then that load's not going to be there. So many of our contract customers, our customers that we deal with on a daily basis, would much rather us stop and be safe and show up when we can safely get there. So. Well, bad weather, bad weather aside, we'll move that mm-hmm. to the shelf. You mentioned these customers are beating us up about being on time. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is that causing? That's they're going to ask for lower freight rates and stuff, and maybe find another carrier. Yeah, they will ask for lower freight rates. They might not let us bid on future freight, or they might just kick us to the curb and give it to another carrier if we're late. If we're late, yeah. I thought that might be where he was heading there with that train of thought. Then we sidetracked him. <laughs> well, back to the, the the cost savings deal. What I was getting with the, with that is if 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 everything's running right, you know. And, and we deliver late, that's when the customers really have a hard time with it. If it's weather, they don't have a hard time with it. Um, what they have a hard time with is if, I, I don't oversleeping or not leaving home when you're supposed to. You know, everything's set up right. Everything's good to go. It's been verbal dispatch. We know it's a high-priority load. It's all been communicated, and we're still late. So the cost savings part, again, I go back to you might have to be late an hour or a day if you're late. Well, if you're sitting there for 24 hours, you're going to use more fuel, idling, and all that. You're not going to make any money. The truck's not making any revenue. You're not making any money. So And the, and and then, the customers are throwing late fees on top of that. Yes. So Time management. Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. And the, the best thing to do to deliver on time, and I always say this, is just get to the next stop as soon as you safely can. Whether it's a shipper or a consignee, pick up the load, go as far as you can, take your break, deliver at the appointment time. Give yourself enough time to get there. Especially if you're delivering into a big city, you got a 7 a.m. appointment, you know traffic's going to be heavy. You know, give yourself some extra time to get there on time. Because if the customer takes away our load, then we won't have it to haul, you know. So, um, and when I say customers beat us up for on time, it's not just the on time. It's communicating that we're going to be late. You know, that's a big one, too. Like, they know we're going to have some hiccups and we're going to be late, right? We work with humans. We work with machinery. It's going to break down. Things are going to happen. Our customers get that. 
But when a customer calls us and says, hey, where's my load? And we haven't told them that it's going to be late, that really gets them. Well, it looks like we don't know what the hell's going on. A hundred percent. So when we're going to be late, we need to let that customer know as soon as possible. So the driver needs to let fleet management know. Yeah. So fleet management can let yeah. CS, customer service, yeah. know. And it's okay. I mean, if something comes up and you're going to be late, let us know. You know, let us know. And we can let the customer know. That's that's a big one is communication to the customer and then being on time. So how long have you been here at rail? Uh, November will be 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. But you're not a young guy. Did you do something before rail? Yeah, well, I started uh, in the Army. So I went to the Army right out of high well, school. thank you for your service. Yeah, thanks. Nine, 88 to 92, went over to Desert Storm, sit in the desert for about a year and played around and that's where I learned to drive. Um, I had never driven a truck. That wasn't my MOS in the Army. I was in supply, and we were like AutoZone, so we supplied the front line with tank parts or truck parts I or was, helicopter I was parts. right there with you, man. Yeah, and I then, was uh, over there. I would drive. A, I drove a fuel truck. Yeah, well, that's what I learned <laughs> to drive. So, you know, I was a young 19-year-old kid, and they said, you ever drove a truck? And I was like, no, but I can drive anything, you know. They said, uh, drive this tanker around. I was like, so you want me to drive a truckload of diesel fuel with a big bullseye on it in a war zone? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. So uh, Diesel fuel wasn't the problem. It was the JP4. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, so, was, that was what had me nervous, yeah. So, you know, I started, I started driving some in the Army, and then I got out of the Army in 1992 and went to J.B. Hunt Truck Driving School. Mm-hmm. In '92, in uh, in uh, Louisiana, so something got under your skin with it, trucking. It did. You know, I was in the logistics side, the supply side of things, and I just thought it was interesting, fun to do. Uh, I like to travel and go around, see different places, and I got to see all the lower 48 states when I was driving, which was interesting. I still need to see Alaska and Hawaii to get all 50 in, but you can go on a vacation uh, there sometime. Yeah, hopefully. yeah. If things yeah, prices go down, I'll go out there. Yeah. So how um, long were you at JB Hunt? So I was there twice for about four years. I did OTR, and then I left them, and then um, I went back to them in a dedicated. So I did a dedicated account for Dollar General in South Boston, Virginia. So I'm from Danville, Virginia. So that kind of mm-hmm. worked. It was close sure. to home. Um, and then that's when I started training for them. I was a driver trainer for J.B. Hunt. And then um, they let me start working in the office part-time when fleet managers took vacation because I had been telling them I wanted to try out being a fleet manager Mm -hmm. uh, or a planner. So they let me start working in the office part-time. And then uh, and then that was my then I never drove again. They uh, at that point um, and so you did something good in the office? I did. I, I got to plan. I got to be a fleet manager. Um, that was with J.B. Hunt. Yeah. And then J.B. Hunt lost the account. Ryder took over the account. So with Ryder, I was in the office, and then I got to moved up, and I started running the whole operation, the general manager. I was over the whole thing, and it was interesting. Um but then Ryder lost the account, moved back to Georgia, uh, late 90s, 
drove a little bit again, but then I hired on with rail in 2006. And you started here as a fleet manager. Fleet manager. Yeah. In the old Ellenwood terminal. And then I uh, moved up and took over the Gary terminal in uh, January of 2010. And uh, been at the Gary terminal 13 years, almost 14 years now. I know you've been there a while because you were yeah. there when I went through trainer foundation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's been quite a while. It's I been was, a... Uh, been a great place to work. I've I really like working here. And I got I got drafted here ten years ago. Now I just saw the newsletter. Ten there. years. They, yeah, they, nice. they listed my uh, work aver- work anniversary is what they yeah. called it, and it was uh, ten years. I was like, really? In the dispatch? What? In the dispatch? No, at rail. Oh no, uh, in the dispatch. Oh they, yes, that's what it's called. The yeah. newsletter. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. I was like, "Has it really been that long? It doesn't feel like yeah. it." <laughs> and you know, you you said rail's a great place to work, yeah. and it's important for drivers out there who have access to this good equipment, the good maintenance, good support. Yeah, I mean, you guys don't, you know, you're not on time. You're wasting fuel. You're off route. You're doing all these things that are wasting money. It's not going to be good for us. And right. how do we keep a good thing? We take care of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's all and on all of us to take care of this yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a. I like rail too because it's to me it's a secure company. I mean, Yellow just went out of business. How long were they in business for? Forever and a day. But what makes rail more secure than any other? And well, values maybe the way we operate. Well, yeah, we operate at a very high level, and I don't I don't see a lot of waste. You know, I, I, I see things done the right way, you know, and we don't make decisions very fast. We really think think through our decisions. Um, and I, I think I think it's all done the right way and at the right timing. Like when we when we sell trucks it's for the right time, you know, the, the truck market has to be right and we've got to get in new trucks. And that's another thing that that we always um, invest in new equipment, and that's that's all for our, our driving our driving fleet. We want to have new equipment all the time. Driver comfort, hundred percent driver comfort, um, and reliability. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Less, that's what I was gonna say. Less downtime. You got less downtime with newer equipment. We got a little bit behind in the trade cycle just because we couldn't get trucks during COVID, so we got a little bit behind. But we're catching up um, with some new newer trucks this year. Uh, and some more next year but uh, I mean when you invest in new trucks so if you think about it we got one truck and three trailers for every driver so you're looking at 300 grand invested you know in just those four pieces of equipment sure you know you want to you got to get some money back on an investment some return on that investment because that's three hundred thousand dollars we've already borrowed and spent you know on that equipment you know, um, and we we're turning over, turning not turning. I'd say turning over, but we're turning over our trailer pool. You know, getting rid of the old ones and getting some new ones in. That got behind too. You know, we don't like trailers over ten years old because some customers won't accept trailers over ten years old. Uh, they just that's part of their deal. So it took us a while, and it's still taking some time because we 
couldn't get trailers during COVID either, you know. So our trade cycles got off in COVID, you know. I know we got some coming in on the reefer side. We do. We we got a bunch coming in. We 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 got a, a bunch that came in already for uh, van side. You know, we get them out of Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. We picked up a lot down there this summer. Our reefers um, come out of Salt Lake, and they're coming in on the train right now. Yeah. I, I'm I'm getting emails constantly. Have your driver go pick up this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I expect a lot of the uh, local drivers and gear will probably be bringing some back to the yard there because mm-hmm. uh, they're all I think they're all coming into Chicago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that that's that's good to see because um, you know you got to have trailers. You know. Can't, can't load it if you don't have a trailer. Absolutely. You got to have a trailer. So you spend a lot of time at work. I see you here all the time, and I see you and Gary all the time working. Yeah. But what do you like to do on your free time? <laughs> I know there's got to be some kind of free time. I, uh, uh, it's mainly m- my wife and six children. Uh, together we have six kids, and I, I spend a lot of time with them. And uh, I spend a lot of time running. Uh, I've done some ultra marathons. Uh, what is an ultra marathon? Well, the, the ones I've done were 31 miles. And then the longest one I did, uh, matter of fact, I did it with uh, Kay Ziger, look at here, who's a market owner. She likes to run those ultras too. She's got one coming up. Um, the longest one I did with her, it was a, it was a 12 hour as far as we could go. Um, and I think I did 42 miles and she might've got 48. I like, it's weird. I hate running, but I like doing hard stuff. Okay. Challenge. Uh, I'm, I'm all about the challenges. Yeah. So I like, I like the challenges. I, uh, so I, I did, I did take some time off. I didn't run one, uh, this year, but I, I think, Kay and I were talking, and I think I'm going to sign up for one or two next year to run with her. Fantastic. Um, and there's there's another one in February. i got a son that lives down in uh, North Carolina on the coast, and there's a, a ruck and a run, last man standing. So for the ruck part, you have a 30-pound ruck, and it's 2.7 miles loop, and you do it once an hour. Or you can run four-mile loops every hour and the last man standing wins or the last person standing wins and so i'm gonna i've done the run one before but i'm gonna do the ruck this year so i've been training with 30 pound ruck um my goal is 50 miles i'll see if i can get 50 miles on the ruck 30 mile ruck that's in february in north carolina so what do you do i'm i'm rooting for you man (laughs) what do you do for food as you're doing those long runs you know i don't really get hungry I do eat like I'll, I'll, a lot of the places just have food there. They'll have like oranges and bananas on the I'll, road. Yeah, you know. Well, you come back to the same spot on those. But okay. even on the long runs, like through the mountains or whatever, there'll be like aid stations set up, and they'll have all the water you need, or electrolyte drinks, or fruit, or sugar for the most part. You know, running those things. And, I am totally rooting for you, but I could not run across the parking. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I get a lot of comments like that. Mm. It's uh, but you know, I'm 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 52 now, so I gotta try to stay in shape somehow because just like our drivers, we sit all day at our cubicles and 
looking at a computer screen all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's it's you know, I, I try to stay healthy and uh, try to eat halfway right. You know, and and which that's hard too because I love to eat. That was so, that was a change you made at some point. It right? was. I was. I was. I was a bigger guy. I, yeah. Back in like 2012, 2013, I probably weighed my highest was two fifty. Like right now, I weigh right. I was going to say when I met you, you were a much larger fellow. I, I was. I was about I was, fifty pounds larger than I am. I was going to congratulate you on yeah. losing all that. <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't easy. So it you was. weren't running before, were you? It was this, no. This I, when I got out of the army, I was like, I'm never running again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and then you know. I started picking it up probably about 2015, maybe, a little bit here and there. I started working out a lot. I like to lift weights, too. And eating good for your joints and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I do have back problems. I've had three back surgeries. But um, it doesn't hinder me from running and exercising. But I try to watch what I do because I'm, I'm in it for long-term health. You know, We all should watch what we do. Yeah, be I wanna, careful. I want to I wanna be... I want to be old and healthy, not old and sick. You know, I want to be a healthy old and live long and hopefully run around with some grandkids. We already got one grandkid. She's four. But What do you like to do with the kids, the family, like that family stuff? What do you guys do? Oh, man, we hang out and have fun. And um, sometimes they'll go on vacation with us or, you know, we just went down to Kentucky. I was on vacation last week. We went down to Kentucky. Uh, well, just me and my wife. We we like to go on vacation when all the kids go back to school, so there's less people in the fall around October. So this last week we went down to, to Kentucky and uh, explored Mammoth Cave State Park, or National Park. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And uh, we did that, <laughs> and we also kayaked, because it was still 85 degrees down That's there last week. And uh, we kayaked for about four and a half hours down the Green River. It was fun and relaxing, and... Uh, Last year we went out to Utah. We took one of the kids with us out there, and I mean, all my kids are out of the house except one. She's seventeen. She's a junior, so they're uh, doing their own things right now. But we still all like to get together and hang out and have the last fun. Last one, the baby is almost. She's on her way. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got a couple kids that live downtown Chicago, so we'll go visit them and get some good eating in Chicago. And uh, what's your favorite a- place? Oh, any pizza place, bro. I don't care where it is. I, I'm gonna I'm eat some pizza, bro. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't even know if I have a favorite place. It was one little favorite place in Frankfort, Illinois. It was out uh, near. We live in Crete. This was a, another suburb out in Frankfort, Illinois, and it was just a little pizza place. And it was the atmosphere, the pizza. It was just just good. You know, know name. I don't remember the name of it. So this is a good pizza place. My wife knows the name of it. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I just know where it was at. My big thing in Chicago was always Portillo's. Portillo's. That's some good stuff. Yeah, Portillo's. That's that's some good stuff, too, man. I I like Portillo's, too. I love the hot dogs with all the stuff piled on them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We went to a couple Chicago Sox games this year, and they got some really good dogs down there, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, we like to eat now. It's I like going out to restaurants, trying new stuff. And there is this other place we went, and it's got. It was in the suburbs too, but it, it's it's. I don't know what I forget what you call it, um, but they bring you little portions of stuff, and they it had like a bone marrow. That's supposed to be real good. For it's you. 
Awesome. It was really good. Healthy. It's supposed to be really healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good, you know. And and I was like, I've never had just bone marrow. Mm. But it it's like hot and melted and you got some just butter. Scoop it right bread. out of the bone, right? Oh, it's it, well it's like butter. I mean it's just, you know, fat, you know, and bone marrow, but it was really good. I'm not afraid of trying anything that just never occurred to me before. <laughs> it never occurred to me either. But they had it on the menu and I was like I told my wife, I was like, We need to try this. And she's like, You try it. I'm like, all right. Then we both liked it. You know, it's, mm. it's pretty good. I mean, it's really, you know, like fatty. We have a Chinese restaurant in Plover yeah, over here. And they have the regular menu. And then on the back, they have the authentic menu. And they have some strange things on that menu that I've, yeah. I've been trying a little bit at a time. What's it? Give us an example. The, the pork anus thing is one that I've not brought up the courage to try, but it's on the menu. Well, that, sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like Rocky Mountain oysters, right? Similar kind of thing? It's, Maybe it's, worse. It's on the menu, but I have not gotten the courage to try it yet. But I'm yeah. just saying there's some strange stuff on there. So, well, that, that can't be no worse than my grandparents. They always used to make chitlins, mm-hmm. and that was the worst smelling. I just couldn't bring myself to eat them growing up. It just stink too bad i just couldn't do it they said it was really good they used to fry them up and what is this exactly chitlins pig guts mm-hmm. yeah weird intestines yeah yep. uh-uh. yeah uh-uh yeah it's that, really good I'm not going there <laughs> yeah, uh, me either <laughs> you and i would have been like hiding somewhere we'd have been hungry because we <laughs> one of my favorite things in louisiana you, you mentioned louisiana i was stationed down there in fort polk yeah they had the boudin sausages the stuffed intestines. Yeah. Oh my God, they're so good. I would every time I drove the truck through Louisiana, I'd stop and get some. <laughs> I used to like the crawdads down. Oh yeah, yeah. crawfish. Get a etouffee. whole big crawfish thing. Mm-hmm. I gotta yeah. do that. Yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to talk about today? Anything good for our drivers listening out there? Oh man. Well. Yeah. I, I, right now, just be patient. You know. Uh, we're working hard every day to get more freight. Um, I know our sales guys are out there beating on doors, um, trying to get more freight. Our customer service, you know, internal sales, that's what our CSRs do. They're always trying to get more freight. We're bidding on new freight. It seems like daily now, whether we get it or not, it's a different story, but we're bidding on freight a lot. And working with Aaron Ackley, you know, the director of um, customer service, her and I work together a lot, you know. And she's always talking about the bids we're putting in and um, some of the pricing we're putting in. So we're always trying to get more freight, uh, keep the freight we have and get more freight, get rid of some of the the broker freight we have. That low um, yeah, pay stuff. Yeah, get rid of that. Um, and really to, to, to help themselves, you know, we got a lot of drivers out there that are still making good money. I mean – I got some drivers that's making eighty, ninety thousand a year still, you know, even in a little bit of a downtime. And they just like I said, they just get to the next stop, take their break, deliver a load, get to the next stop, get loaded, get unloaded, you know, they don't waste time. Um, they still take their ten hour break, they still take their home time. Um, but they're not ex- extending their home time, they're not extending their breaks, they're really you know, getting to the next stop. Even if their appointment is a little bit later, at least they don't have to start their day till later, you know. So they're on it, and they're doing all those things yeah. that we talked about earlier yeah. to save money. And some of them even call the customers and get unloaded quicker because 
they go in, they're very professional, talk nice to people, and they might have been there before. And yeah, come on in, we'll unload you. And then they're calling us up. Hey, I'm I'm ready for another load. I just got unloaded early, and we'll start, you know, getting them other loads and stuff. Um, but just you know, DOT is still they're revenue hungry too, you know. So doing the pre-trips is good because a lot of states, man, they they like the revenue from from writing citations and tickets for overweight, for lights being out. Tires, you know. check those tires. Oh, yeah, I mean. Check them, roll it forward, check the what was on that, the ground. That just gives them, if you've got a light out or low tire, that just gives them a reason to pull you in or pull you over. And then once they do that, they're going to give you an inspection, and then they can find whatever. And their scales that are moving scales, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they'll be able to weigh, check your weight as you're driving? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them do that. Um, but yeah, just you know, do what you do it, do what you were taught in school. I mean, if you went through our get your CDL program, just do what you were taught, right? We got a great program. And if you got a question, talk to fleet management. Oh yeah, and and that's another thing too is is if you get into a situation and there's a Everywhere I go, there's construction. And everybody I talk to, there's construction. Roads are going to be closed. There's going to be detours. If you get in a spot and you don't know where you're going, just stop, put your four-ways on, call your fleet manager and say, hey, I need a bird's-eye view of where I'm at. Get me out of the situation. Make sure you're stopping somewhere safe. Safe, yeah. Just stop somewhere safe. even if you pull up to a bridge and it's low, don't hit the bridge. Just stop. Put your four-ways on. Put your triangles out. Call your fleet manager. Call the police. Say, hey, I need some help to get out of this situation. There's a low bridge. It was a detour back there. I didn't know where to go. What I'm saying is don't don't put yourself in a position to make a mistake. Call in, and we can help. Yeah, once I'll, you make it, there ain't no I, going yeah, back. Once you, There's no once, edit undo. Once you hit something – it's it's you then you've got an accident instead of going in this little bitty lot because i see this daily you go into a little bitty gravel lot to try to turn around and it doesn't work out you end up with a fifteen hundred dollar tow charge the trailer's leaning over you've damaged somebody's property it could be somebody's lawn and they're going to hit us for a bill for 10 grand for putting ruts in their lawn anything like that and possibly what's in the trailer oh yeah and 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 these trucks do not do good off-road you know don't go off-road they don't we we have a lot of tow charges and tow charges are expensive i mean you're looking at a thousand fifteen two thousand twenty five hundred bucks for a simple tow charge seriously just call your fleet mayor and say hey i'm in a position i got turned around i got detoured i don't know where i'm going i need a way out of this and let the let the fleet manager help you out. Our fuel and route department's great. They can help. Anybody that answers the phone is going to get you to somebody that can help you get out of that situation. I mean, if you think about it, we we can you can just about do an aerial view of everything now and and really help our drivers get out of situations. You know, and and we would much rather somebody stop and call. You're not going to get in trouble for stopping and calling. If you pull up to a bridge and it's low. And you don't hit the bridge, and you call in first, you're good. You're golden. We'll get help those, you get, get out those of that hazards situation. On and... Yeah. 
Right on. Yeah. Well, I think we should start thinking about wrapping this up. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Keep the shiny side up and the dirty side down. Be safe out there, you guys. Thanks for listening. All right, that's it. Nice. Yeah. That's the podcast. Nice.